Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Somewhere in the future. A man from the past. Find the cloud and kill him. Is all that stands between life and death. There simply isn't enough energy on the planet to take down the shield without killing us all. The world is dying, McLeod. The shield has to come down. Greetings, Islander. You cold? Let's have some fun. Remember, you called me. <laughs> Just remember that quickly. It sounds like magic. Well, it is, kind of. Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, Highlander 2, The Quickening. Hello and welcome to Smirch Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be gaslighting an entire generation of Scottish immortals <laughs> and telling them they come from space. Yes, <laughs> it's Highlander 2, The Quickening. And joining me to try not to lose our heads... Or indeed, try to understand just what the fuck is going on. Is actor, comedian, enigma, professional Welshman, and possible immortal because he's Welsh, Dan Thomas. Hi, good morning. And, and I'm, I'm just going to say happy birthday, John. Thank you, Dan. We said it off air, but I want everyone to know that you have taken time out on your special day mm. to do this. I had to because it's a, a much a present as anything else to talk about Highland to the quickening. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's the first first one back. I haven't done one for a few months, so yeah, was, this is obviously the first one back after the uh, after the book after the book, uh, yeah. finished. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's this is a new lease of life for you. It's your birthday. You know, it's new year, new you, mm. old book finished. Yeah, old you. I don't I'll, know, but I'll, I'll be in the club with fifty cent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, talking about Highlander two with him, and he's like, "Who's this guy?" But yeah. 
Yeah. He won't know what I'm talking about. He'll be talking about... He'll be calling me Shorty for some reason. <laughs> Despite the fact that I'm six foot tall. Are you six foot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about with your head off? Oh, with my head off, probably about three foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big head. It's, it's a big it's, head. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wear hats. Tall. No. Yeah. yeah. I've got sort of the opposite problem to Nicholas Lindhurst, that he's got a small head. But it's quite he? long. It's quite long, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen him with the stovepipe hat on and it just sort of sinks down to his neck. I mean, yeah, you <laughs> you could definitely put him in the background of any sort of Tim Burton animation and he wouldn't look out of place. Yeah, yeah, no, oh. true. Oh. Um, God, this has turned into a real Nicholas <laughs> bash for no reason. <laughs> well, I think we're subconsciously trying anything not to talk about Highlander 2 The Quickening. Okay, all right, well... It's not a long film, so there's that. No, no. the version we watched isn't. Oh say. yeah, we should say which version we're watching. Yeah, we watched the theatrical release. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is uh, butchered to shit. But well, I, they I, say I, that I, they say I, that. But I, I think they had to to make it watchable. I don't even because I don't even know how I haven't seen the what is it renegade the renegade cut. what a prick thing to call I it know. but mm. his renegade version of it, I, I will do but that, this is the one that I wanted to see because this is the one that everyone that is passed in a legend as being one mm. of the worst films ever yeah. and an absolute betrayal of the first film yeah it's possibly the I mean it's the worst sequel because of that I think that it completely retcons the first film entirely um yeah, but it doesn't even retcon it. It just it because it doesn't make sense within the context of the first one. No, it's true. It figures. Yeah, but it, it basically retcons all the information from like the the back of the VHS box, like mm-hmm. that minor bit of information. You go, yeah. oh, that'll do. This is because we've done a lot of films where it's like um, it feels like a sequel that was made by people who didn't like or understand the original. Mm. And that's very much true of this one. Mm-hmm. But also, it loses... Co- and we'll get there, but it loses coherence during the film. It's This is a film made by people who didn't even watch the first half of this film. Yes. Yes, it is. And it's surprising because it's the same director. Yeah. So you'd think he'd be a bit like, eh, hang on, lads, I'm Russell Mackay from Australia. <laughs> and this makes Mackay he, whatever you say. I can't okay, remember. Okay, no, Russell Mackay was the... Uh, the guard from the the Australian remake of Porridge. That's right, yeah. Now listen here, Fletcher. You've ruined the first film. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even the director should have said, hang on, you know, what, what's all this about? Did this he is- have much of a career after... He must have had a decent... This is only five years after the first Islander. It's not like he was broke. I think he dropped off. I mean, the last thing I saw him do, and I haven't checked, you know... A lot, but the last thing I saw him do was a Resident Evil sequel. Okay, but that's relatively recently. But mm. doing the Highlander 1 and this, he must have had a couple of jobs. I don't know. He was music video director, wasn't he? He did that Duran Duran Wild Boys video phase. He did, yeah, yeah. But he also did, <laughs> yeah. before that, or during that, a rather good Australian horror film called Razorback. Yes. About a giant killer warthog. Which I've never seen, but I remember it being one of those ones that BBC Two used to put on late at night with like Alex Cox doing a little introduction to it, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's visually beautiful, much like all okay. his films are. This film looks good, I think, in places. Yeah, it's got the, it's got the um, Ridley yeah. Scott tropes and the you know the fans with lights coming through them thing. That we yeah, had. it's got that. Well, what, mm. uh, since we're doing this now, right? Mm. I, was, mm-hmm. I love Blade Runner. Right? And I can see that they were going for that, but there was mm. a lot of... Th- this looks like, if they did Blade Runner the musical, Highlander 2 yeah. looks like the touring version 
Yes. Of so, if you were like the the Torquay, like Alhambra, mm. this is what their Blade Runner would look like. It would look like Highlander too. Because the thing is, the sets are all right, but the, it's it, they need they've only hired five extras sometimes. Mm. Mm. So it looks quite. It looks like what it is. The inside of a warehouse. It looks like a laser dome sometimes. It does. It really does. But I can see what they're going for. And it's a considerably limited budget and limited. Um, uh, not skills of the crew, but it was there wasn't much of it. It was made in Argentina because it was cheap, and they found yep. out why pretty quick because yep. it wasn't really an Argentinian film industry. No, to so they were they had to invent one. They didn't have the equipment. They didn't have <laughs> you know. I'm not saying the crew didn't work hard. I'm just saying that they didn't have the skills you might have if you'd gone to your Pinewood, your Shepparton. Mm. Um, so it it suffers because of that in yeah. visually. Yeah, it's funny. It's got. The, it reminds me in a similar way of what they did with Total Recall because they shot that in Mexico, and it was a similar problem where they had to, you know, really push it because there wasn't really the skills there. But that came out really well. Whereas well, this, that had a bigger budget, mm, and true, um, uh, and yeah, and uh, also Total, I don't know if anyone got ill on Highlander too, but everyone did end up with the shits on Total Recall. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Arnie shot out Quato, and they used it. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't mop that up. We're going to glue it to him and save ourselves a fortune. What? Open, open your mind. That's what he said last time. <laughs> um, but talking of laser zones, quests, um, we start in August 1999, and the ozone layer is continuing to disintegrate. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what we were interested in in the early 90s. Yeah. The fact yeah. the ozone layer was going. So what, what do you do in that specific scenario? You hire a doctor called Alan Naiman... Yeah, uh, the day we protected the planet from the sun, and I, I love that. There, straight away, we've got just hmm. we remember this day forever. Hmm. The day, as as you know, hmm. we are protecting the planet <laughs> from the sun. I know. I work here. What's wrong with you? What do you give me the synopsis for, dickhead? <laughs> then who else do you hire? Why, an art dealer. An art dealer. Yeah. So <laughs> so you go and hire the bloke who runs an antique shop and remembers when Car- Coronation Street started. This was I. I do have it here. Like, was this originally a Lovejoy movie? Oh, make more sense. He slightly dresses like Lovejoy a bit later as well. Yeah, and one of the long hair. one of the people he kills looks a bit like Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and you could say Katana could be played by Tinker. Much better film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we're we're celebrating all this science, and what happens is they shoot this laser up into the, and they basically make a shield around the Earth. Yeah. But with the one downside being that this ruins McLeod's immortal power, so he starts oh, aging. It? Yeah, I thought I thought he because he starts aging because he killed uh, the Kurgan in the first one. Oh yeah, you're right. I thought it was because of the sun. Never mind. You might be right. You're probably right. In fact, I, th- right. I think he I think he stops being mortal, so he just starts aging. He goes, well, if I'm going to die one day, I might as well go out of the art dealer business, even though I'm doing very well. If you remember yeah, from the first doing one, doing very well. Yeah. So in 10 short years, I'm going to go from being an art dealer to the saviour of humanity. Not bad. It's almost like Trump. Yeah, yeah, oh. in a way. Oh. In a, in a, yeah. Hi, I'm Conor McLeod. Read my book, The Art of the Deal. <laughs> <laughs> These steaks are only available <laughs> from Rash Russell Nash Antique Shops. Come on down to McLeod University. We're going to make you rich. <laughs> Don't lose your head with business. Max. You will be rich uh, from um, forever with my bonnie Heather aftershave. Um, but no, that's not what happens. Um, so they've saved humanity. But 25 years later, the, the shield uh, is condemning the planet. So no one can see the sky, the stars or the sunlight. Yeah. 
as well as it being really hot. I tell you what, just to be clear, it's 25 years. It's just been this sort of layer instead of the ozone for 25 years. Mm. And we cut to a weather report. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the weather is exactly the same as it's been for the last 25 it's years. It's basically Scorchio from the first. Yeah, it's Scorchio. <clears throat> yeah. With Paula Vich. There is still a shield. Back to the studio. <laughs> uh, so presumably this means it doesn't rain. No, it doesn't rain. That's not good for crops and such. And it's not good if you want to copy the Blade Runner log either. No, exactly. No. Um, so he's, he's having a miserable time. So he goes to the opera. Um, and also he's, people hate him as well. But he goes to the opera first, I think. He goes, and, yeah, the first thing he does is go to the opera. And yeah. then we get the first instance of, fuck, this film makes no sense, bringing someone to do a voiceover, which in this case is Sean Connery. Yeah, doing so, the yeah, doing his uh, rising sun voice. Yes. Go high, yeah. remember yeah. you were born in another galaxy. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> rising Sun Two, where it turns out Wesley Slopes was born in another galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> You're not from round here, you racist. No, no, I mean we're not, none of us are. We're from another planet. Where's this come from? Just, just read the script. You know when you saw those shoes. Did you also notice there are a pair of moon boots? <laughs> yeah, yeah, from space. It all <laughs> comes together. But he's falling asleep at the opera, and then we get Connery going. He says, he basically goes, Hello, remember me? <laughs> We're from another planet, remember? Right, okay, who saw Force One? Right, one, two, three. Right, some of you did, right? Okay, this is my, this is my new Connery impression. <laughs> right, so some of you saw. If you, Kanzapu enjoyed or remembers Highlander, right? Most of you, fuck. All mm. right, um... Try and put that out of your mind because now we're going to do something a little bit different and run VT and then we, we <laughs> and we're on the planet Zeist. Five hundred years ago. What I love yeah. about this is that the plot. I'll let you into a secret, folks at home. What I used to do with films uh, when I watched them for this podcast is I'd write, you know, really a lot of notes while I was watching it. But now, because I'm old and rich and I don't care anymore, <laughs> one of those isn't true. Two of them. Um, I get the Wikipedia plot synopsis and then build notes on top of that I, I find it saves time but what i like about this is the guy person lady man who wrote um the plot synopsis on wikipedia is equally as frustrated with this as we are because <laughs> it starts the, the pass egg starts immediately with roughly 500 years before the film takes place on the yeah. planet zeist a last meeting is held between the members of a rebellion against the corrupt leadership and the ruthless general katana and then we meet again, Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Which, by the way, is his name. Yeah. Why would on Zeist. On Zeist. Is, is, is that his name on Zeist as well? Yes, it is. Yeah, I was going to say. So it's like my... And McLeod's, they call McLeod McLeod. So, it's yeah. like, so they, they... Basically, they, they, they were a rebellion against uh, Katana, mm. and their punishment is that they have to go and be... <laughs> they have to live forever on Earth. Yeah, I was thinking this. Is that a punishment? You are punished. <laughs> it's like you've murdered... You know, you've, you've tried to overthrow, you know, the pres the Senate in January the 6th, and they said, your punishment is you're going to go to a nice planet and live forever. Oh, yeah. cheers. Yeah, and uh, you hear Katana going, uh, these freaking priests... I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. he blames the priests who Basically apparently are judge and jury and nutters, apparently. Mm. Um, but so everyone's got their actual Earth names. First, we'll, we'll skim past the fact that 500 years ago is not enough time because no. like, we already know that uh, Sean Connery's character was alive for like 2,000 years, right? Yeah, that's right. 
when we meet in the first one. Yeah. Uh, McLeod is from the 12th century, mm-hmm. Scotland. Anyway, but they, they haven't watched the first one. No, they, they didn't haven't. have time. No. If you're writing a script, you can't be wasting an hour and a half watching the original. You probably had right? the shits. Uh, yeah, probably had the shits. Right? <laughs> so, but the, the, I mean, it blows my mind that mm. they are, they, they've got, they're on Earth with their real, with their names. Like, they must have gone, right, we're going to have to make sure that we send you to a part of Earth where they've got names that sound a little bit like you, yours now. Otherwise, it's just going to be confusing. You're going to go to Egypt. You're going to go to Scotland. Right, you, your, what's your name? Kevin Webber. Right, we're sending you to Swindon. <laughs> Hello, people of Swindon. I'm from the planet Zeiston. My name is Kevin Webber. Oh, nice to meet you. Um, and I cannot die. I cannot die. And you, Ford Prefect. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a bit weird. It would have taken a second just to change their names to like Quarboss and <laughs> and Swardwin, and like you are being sent to Earth. And then when they get to Earth, they then adopted these names. You know, or they were born, reborn on Earth, and they're given yeah. those names. That would make more sense. But to have those names on Zeist makes zero sense. No, good. But we're told that um, Connor McLeod. Well, well, first of all, Ramirez says, you know, we have to, you know, have this rebellion, and everyone's like, well, who will lead us? You? And he goes, no, I cannot lead you. We need a man of great destiny. <laughs> and and he then he swings at- his little, he swings his sword, yeah, in a way that, as I think I mentioned to you, uh, is is in a way because it's quite a big, heavy sword, and he yeah. could be wielding it quite strongly. But he's just gone. I'm not fucking up my wrist. Yeah. With this shit, my when I've got wrist. a three o'clock... Yeah, this oh. is my swinging wrist, and I don't even mean that as a metaphor, you pervert. Okay, I'm not mm. busting my... Ri- I've got a three o'clock tea. With Jimmy Tarbuck. With Ju- I've thrown Jimmy Tarbuck out to Argentina because I missed the boy. Mm. And he's got the shits. <laughs> so I'm, I'm up. He's beat me the last three times, but I reckon if he's squirting them out, I'm going to have a chance. <laughs> but um, So he needs them to lead against Katana. Ramirez then uses the quickening... Which we are told in the first film happens when you decapitate somebody, uh, and and says it's a kind of magic. Yeah, God. He says, "Is this magic?" And he goes, "Hmm, kind of." No, no. <laughs> um, so they then have an attack, as you said, as you mentioned earlier. They get crushed, and then they're put on trial, and they're told that they're going to go live on Earth forever. And and the survivor, and they will have to fight each other to to be the only one. Yeah, none of this makes sense. No. Well, what this means is, presumably, so the Kurgan, who's the bad guy, mm. who was a proper nasty bit of work in the first one, he must have been part of the rebellion. He's been sent to Earth. Yeah. And, and now he's like, you know what? You were all right till you moved to Inverness, and now you're a fucking prick. <laughs> it's a proper heel turn. Yeah. Yeah, he's like when Hulk Hogan became Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> oh. But surely, I mean, I know, I, the thing is, I know... Michael Ironside at this point was on a tour of tour of duty being baddies and he's a very steady pair of hands as a baddie. Yeah. <clears throat> he's very good at it. But wouldn't it have just made more sense to get the Kurgan back? Considering this is 500 years in the past. They oh God, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I've read a lot of trivia on this but mm. I feel like they offered him maybe a cameo in it. Right. Um, and then he, but he turned it down. For Spongebob. Yeah. For Spongebob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then as they're leaving, Ramirez says to him, if you need me, Hollander, just call out my name. Yeah, that's a terrible. Really awful. Thing. What, need you for anything? Like, if, you're, <laughs> just, if I die, I'll come back. You just have to summon me by calling my name. Just sitting there, match day. Just go, oh, God, can't be asked to go to the fridge. Ramirez? Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. It's 10 feet away. I'm dead. <laughs> 
Oh, well, I was thinking, what if he accidentally says it during a high-profile business meeting? What if there's another guy called Ramirez? Yeah. I- I'm going to have to call you Rami. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's embarrassing, but uh, every time I say that name, a man appears. It's just like, oh, for crying out loud. Just call me for... I was just about to have a game of golf with Ronnie Colbert, Deja Connor, and uh, Tom O'Connor from Crosswitch. You remember. I'll get you a beer, you fucking French arsehole. I'm Scottish. Oh, that's right. I was, I'm Scottish. Um, so then McLeod wakes up at the opera. Someone comes over to me and goes, Oi, you old fuck. It finished hours ago. <laughs> I'm trying to clear up. What are you doing? Also, he's got, he's got old man makeup on, um, oh, which awful. is, unfortunately, he looks exactly the age he actually is, but after a burning incident. He looks like, you know, at the end of Robocop, when that guy goes in the toxic sludge? Yeah. He looks like his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then we cut back to Zeist, and um, Katana's annoyed about the decision. Um, and uh, the Wikipedia goes into more detail than the film here. It says... Uh, <laughs> Doesn't that just tell you everything? Yeah, it goes, Quintana <laughs> is unsatisfied with the decision, leading to the events of the original film. <laughs> right. Doesn't know, does it? Hi there. I'm Yasmin Akram. Join myself and my friend Philippa Dunn each week for our podcast, We Heart Worry, a show about cars and their engines. Obviously not. It's a show where we talk about our fears, our worries and our anxieties in a bid to help you with yours. And we just have a laugh as well. So join us. There's nothing to be scared of. I promise. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today.
no. And then uh, we meet Louise Marcus, uh, who is um, played by Virginia Madsen. Madsen, yeah. Mm. At at her peak. At her peak. She came and went very quickly. Yeah. Fair to say. Was this in Candyman? Was that about it? Uh, I, f- I feel like she's had a late career bloom playing senators and judges. Oh, okay. All right. um, but at the time, I saw in something in the, before this that was a, um, a Tommy Lee Jones noir ghost movie. Oh, that, right. That's the only thing I can't remember what it's called. Kill Me Again or something, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen her in three things. Well, she's part of a sort of um, saboteur movement. Yeah. Who are go- basically the shield generator that's operating. To keep the world safe, they they they're convinced that it doesn't it's not needed anymore. They're basically anti shielders. <laughs> they think it's pumping five G into everyone. Yeah. So they're going to try and blow it up, and they go there and they try and blow it up and it fails. And uh, she's the, the the group is called Cobalt. They attack the shield. That the shield is now controlled by the Shield Corporation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chief executive David Blake. Played by... Uh, John C. McGinley. Yes. Um, who's having a lot of fun in this, I think. I read a fact about him when I was going through the trivia. He goes, mm. he, he he tried to do... He tried to deepen his voice so he sounded like Orson Welles. Right. And later said that was a mistake. Oh. And I'm like, I, he sounds like John C. McGinley to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm no just, difference whatsoever. No difference whatsoever. Okay. okay. There's one point later where he changes his voice. But that's for a specific reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't sound nothing like Orson Welles. He doesn't, though. Uh, meanwhile, Connor <clears throat> has gone to a cafe that's got, as you say, two people in it. Yeah. But it's, but again, it's, it's quite nice art direction. I can imagine if mm. you were the art director, you'd turn up on set and goes, this would look good if you hadn't fucked it. Mm. And if you put more than three people in it. Yeah. Yeah. But the jukebox is playing, um, it's a kind of magic... I bet that's the most valuable thing they did in the first one was was doing was paying Queen for a buyout on the music because mm-hmm. this film could never have afforded a Queen soundtrack without that deal. No, did you see who did the music to this film? By the way, I didn't. Stuart, is it the Proclaimers or no? Stuart Copeland from The Police. My name is Stuart Copeland, and I did the music for the second Highlander film. Just the score, though. Is there, are there yeah. any original songs in this? Uh, no. Oh, there, there's a couple of sort of rock songs, aren't there? But I didn't do too much digging. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, he's at the cafe, and there's there's a thing on the TV about the shield, and the lady in the cafe approaches him and says, "You piece of shit, you ruined the sky." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, this there's also we should mention McLeod, <clears throat> Chris, Christophe Lambert has taken the um, decision to have McLeod as an old man sound like he's like drunk a pint of bees. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about." Like, I think he thinks he's doing Dustin Hoffman in Little Big Man. Mm. But he's just doing John Thompson in, like, I'm a very old man. Yeah. <laughs> Five hours in makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she she smashes a bottle on him. Yeah. And then and then as he's sort of recovering, um, Virginia... I'll say Mads- this, she's wonderfully cast. She's only like, there's one mm. scene, she's got a couple of lines, but she actually has this really great sort of downtrodden grotesque quality that is good for the role there's lots of little details that like if they all came together this would have been a really interesting film mm. and it, it is an interesting film because it's so awful oh yeah but it's not good no but it reminds me with the set and her in particular it reminds me of little shop of horrors like she's gonna start singing down on skid yeah. row 
Um, yeah, that's the thing. It has got this. All the cars are also. It has got this future retro yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Which I mean, I, I, and I don't know if that's just because they were in Argentina and all the cars were still from the sixties. I think possibly. I mean, they're still looking for Nazis at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of them might be in it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so he gets attacked by the woman. Then he ca- then he meets um, Virginia Madsen. And she asks him for his help <laughs> Just, in taking down the yeah, shield. Before that, oh. she gets to him by so she's when she's been at the shield earlier. She's been she's fallen into a dam. She's soaked. Oh yeah. She gets out of. She's got a bag, and out of it, just out of the bag, she's got a scrap of paper yes. with McLeod's address. Just ripped off an envelope. It's like mm. this is the most important thing you have mm. to be able to track down McLeod. You could have memorized it. You could have written on something other than a scrap of printer paper. I'll tell you that because you know you're going diving tonight. Yeah. It just looked like, like. Does anyone like the prop department? Went, we didn't make anything. Just so just write it down on this bit of paper and fuck off. Laminate it at least. Yeah, something like that. But yeah. it's just. Do you want to you know, keep it safe? Nah, just bang it in the umbro. Just bang it in the umbro. Don't forget anything out this umbro. <laughs> well, I take it swimming with me all the time. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Fine. I put my cosy in there afterwards. Nothing gets through in. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'll save humanity. I've got the umbro. <laughs> this, this podcast is sponsored by umbro. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so she, she asks McLeod's help to take down the shield, and he says no, and he says he's dying, and that he doesn't approve of terrorism. Right. Yeah. So there's some what? good information there. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on Zeist, uh, Katana, who's been sitting oh, up there for 500 years. And, and has chosen tonight. Tonight, of all nights, to go... Uh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Also, if it's 500 years, why is he still alive? Because like, oh, on Earth, you'll be immortal. Yeah. Also, here, you're also immortal. Yeah. I'm not sure what the point of any of this is. No, I'm really not. No. And he, he, just, he says, well, I think it's probably about time we killed McLeod. So he sends his two henchmen, Corda and Reno, who look both like hedgehogs, and, right, and yeah. go, ah, their tongue out all the time. I've written steampunk proclaimers. Yes, I'd go with that. They would wait 500 years. <laughs> and then go, <laughs> they're just the really irritating henchman oh, characters. so annoying. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> so then, as they get transported back to Earth, McLeod's giving um, Marcus, so you can imagine a lift... And then has an yeah. orgasm. He goes, uh, I'm not sure why. I think it's a quickening thing. It's it's a quickening because because when um, so because he's no longer the only immortal type on Earth. So mm. he's their energy makes him, you know, because um, like pre quickening sort mm. of vibe. But then he talks like he's in a Japanese animation because you know they have to fit the English words into the mouth and they talk yeah. very quickly. He but says something <laughs> like, "Ramirez, my friend, come and help me." Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, we say so. He, what's his name? Katana has sent these steampunk claimers down because mm. he said he's decided that he's worried that uh, McLeod will try and come back to Zeist. Yeah. Why? But I've written down. But there's no mechanic for that. When we see him get shot down, they mm. get shot down in like a beam of light yeah. with a machine on Zeist. He can't like. He's not going like Gatwick. One precise, please. He's, he's not like, building he's got a ladder. No way of coming back. He's not building a ladder, <laughs> like a Lumiere Brothers thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like load of ladders, gaffer taped up. Yeah. I'll get you. Well, just can somebody need, hold this. I just Wobbly. need three more ladders to reach his ice. <laughs> but uh, my ho- my hobby craft is sold out of them. Okay, good. But he's 
It's just, oh God, and this is what I'm talking about. It's like no one has written this having seen the first bit of the film. No, they've just thought, what motivation could Katana suddenly have 500 years down the line to think, I need to kill them? Him. Um, yeah. What it should be is that he finds out about, um, what's he called? The Kurgan being killed. But yeah, even yeah, then yeah. there's no motivation because he'll just die on Earth. So The Kurgan was my mother. Yeah, the Kurgan was my sister's dad. <laughs> my dad as well, obviously. Yeah, something like that. There's, oh, God. So these, these two come down and then they start bullying him because he is an old man. They start bullying him. They do. They start <laughs> calling him names and they've got flying uh, skateboards. Oh, yeah, I forgot this was the era of the flying skateboard. Mm. Every film had a flying skateboard for a while. It's the same one for Masters of the Universe, I think. It's Masters of the Universe. It's mm. this. It's Back to the Future 2. Mm. Then we have a bit of a break for 20 years, and mm. then Jupiter Ascending does it. Uh, oh, but this this was the golden age of the flying skateboard action scene. It was also one of them's got wings. But the, you know, the wings are specifically designed to make it look like he's on a big string and going yeah. back and forth. <laughs> Like you, you, you've, you've punched a model airplane and it's just it swinging back and forth. It, it does look terrible. <laughs> it's awful. But he manages to decapitate one by pushing him off a train and the train goes over his neck. Which is a bit of luck. Yeah. So that gives him a quickening. And because and, and it's the quickening, it means that every building within a mile radius blows its windows out. Yeah. None yeah. of this makes sense. Why, no. is, why is everything... I mean, that's my note, yeah. Mm. Why is everything blowing up, please? Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't stuff we've been told before. Like if so, if he if he keeps on beheading people from Zeist, he becomes immortal again and things explode. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem sustainable. Not really, no. But he kills the other one as well by chopping his head off. With a, well, he he very. So what happens is he uh, he's got his sword. Mm. He ties a cable around it while the second proclaimer is flying towards him, yeah. and he pulls it tight-ish. Mm. Uh, and but it's supposed to look, I guess, like he's like chopped his head off. But it is quite a thick cable, and it doesn't look yeah. like it's chopped off. It looks like it's yanked off. Mm. Um, it does. It, yeah, it's just a terrible, terrible scene. And it looks like it was the head looks like it was velcroed on. Yeah. And there's a couple of cool touches in this, though. I did like with the train when it bursts through the explosion. It's got a little almost Rolling Stones-esque That's right, yeah, yeah. painted on the front, which is quite... I remember being quite iconic at the time when you saw clips of it. And also, when there's a massive explosion after the second death of the Proclaimer brother, uh, Virginia Madsen, who had to hide in a bin, um, pokes her head out and is like, oh, God, and then he just walks out of the flames all young and sexy again. Yeah. And that was quite cool, I thought. Yeah, he looks like a T... It's pre-T-1000, I guess, when they were making this, Mm. but he's got that cool look. There's moments of coolness to this film. It's just generally awful. Oh, yeah. But it's because you've got a video, a music video director who's got a good eye that you occasionally get good little uh, visual things. But yeah. you can't... I mean, it's literally just putting a cherry on a dog shit. Really. If anyone gets a chance to watch the making of, which is called uh, Seduced by Argentina, mm-hmm. there's a lot of them going, look, oh. we we... We, they didn't have halogen lights in the whole of Argentina. Like, the the main problem they would say of this film is that they, somebody decided to make it in Argentina for very little money without checking or not whether that was feasible. Yeah. But but they do seem to blame a lot of stuff <clears throat> on that. Like, yeah. the government screwed them out of money and they were like, eh, you had to shoot a lot in the morning because lunchtime, they'd be going, okay, let's go have lunch. And the crew would go off and their lunch was three bottles of wine. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. But the crew weren't writing the script. No. 
And that, that is the problem. checks out. Yeah. <laughs> After three bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. What's the word you just said when you fell over and bit your tongue? Zeist. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Zeist, that sounds like, again, a, a Nazi's hiding there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell the line, Zeist. Um, so, <clears throat> but when he t- when he experiences the quickening, he just shouts, Ramirez! And then meanwhile, we cut to Glencoe, Scotland, which is apparently, according to Wikipedia, the location of his death in the first film. Okay. And there's an open-air production of Hamlet. And Ramirez materialises alive and well. And when the actor's doing the, um, to be or not to be, or was it, I knew him... You know, he was a yeah. joke. You know that bit. Yeah, it's it's that it's the, it's the, it's the, the uh, Yorick scene. Yeah yeah, 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 the skull bit. Yeah, yeah, the skull bit. I'm going to say one thing here, mm. Um, mm. and just agree or disagree. I'm mm. curious. I think here Connery, in this scene specifically, has the worst dialogue of his career until maybe the Avengers, but I think possibly of all time. Yes, this is the worst dialogue he's ever had to utter in a single scene. Also, I totally agree with you. By the way, also his character is utterly redundant in this film. Yeah, he does nothing. The well, same things would have happened, was he not? The back, the back, the backers were just like, "Well, you have to have Connery in it." And he's like, "All right, fine." Oh God! And Connery said, "I've, I've got six days, and you've got three and a half million dollars. Let's see if we can make this work." <laughs> because this is the bit where the actor says, to him, "Get off the stage, you shithead!" Yeah, <laughs> shithead. What's a shithead? Yeah. And he does a weird thing, which is he doesn't know he's in a play. Like, mm. why? Yeah, how can you not know? You're, look, look around. There's a fucking crowd. You belly. Mm. The thing is, and I've never said this before. I don't like Connery in this. No, I don't like. But Ramirez in the original is a great character in mm. this because it's just the lines he's got, and also it feels like at the start of every shot Connery's in, you can see him. Somebody passing him another check. Yeah, you know, it, it totally feels like a cash job for him. I looked it oh, up. Yeah. There's no decent golf courses anywhere nearby. So there wasn't even that for him. Oh, right. So he's he's given the dialogue. I don't. For the first time, I feel like he's not even given the best performance he can because usually he's a pro, and in this one, it just feels like he's sleepwalking through it, oh, which absolutely. is still quite engaging because it's Sean Connery, but it's you know sixty yeah. percent. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two, so please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like, and you know. Why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time.
Hello, I'm Tom, and I make a podcast where I log in to celebrities' Amazon accounts. It's called... What a brilliant idea for a pod. There's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is. Oh, thanks, Ben Bailey-Smith. Anyway, it's called... This is good, isn't it? It's clever, this podcast. You should do more. Thanks, Kerry Godleyman. It's called... This is such a great idea, by the way. What a great podcast. Shappy Corsander, you're too kind. The podcast is but called... it's biographical. You can get all sorts of information out of people. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Nick Helm. It's called My Mate Bought a Toaster. I'm going to listen to this podcast. Thanks, Alex Horn. Can you tell your friends? GreatBigOwl.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.